Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. find down here in 1 Corinthians, down in verse 14, that Crispus is one of only a couple of guys that Paul baptized while he was in Corinth. Remember, and again, look at the picture of it. He's there and he's, he's debating and discussing the scriptures there in the synagogue, uh, getting some pushback from the Jews, and suddenly the leader of the synagogue, maybe out of fear for the rest of the, the Jews in the synagogue, he would come and talk to Paul quietly or privately. Say, hey, you know, what you're saying makes sense. So finally, Crispus came to the Lord, and then we read in 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul actually had the opportunity of baptizing Crispus. Paul didn't baptize many people in the city of Corinth, but one of the men he did baptize was an important leader in the synagogue by the name of Crispus. We'll hear in today's program with Pastor David, we just never know how God will choose to work in a region. It's interesting to think how Crispus may have been used to further the work of God after Paul left the city of Corinth. While Paul didn't baptize many at that time, the testimony of Crispus greatly advanced the gospel in that area of the world. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, You Are a Work of God. understand we truly believe the word of God that we are formed and fashioned even before we're conceived we're formed and fashioned in the mind of God even before we're conceived then beloved you and I as Bible believing Christians we should know that abortion is against the will of God and we could use all kinds of excuses well rape and incest and all kinds of things but I can also give you story after story after story of men and women who were the results of a rape or an incest and how God worked and moved in their lives. Supernatural ways, miraculous ways. No, I I believe that the gifts and calling, uh, Jeremiah says, man, you know, long before I knew, the, the psalmist declares, long before I was born. Again, God knew me. So I I believe it's very important for us as believers to understand. No, abortion comes in and it breaks into the very purpose of God in human lives. Let's get back to this. Paul was a man. He was called by God. He was called as an apostle. And the straightforward definition of that Greek word apostolos is as a delegate or as one that's sent forth. And then we have to understand contextually that the position of Paul as well as the other men who held that primary office of apostle is that they were men who had been sent out specifically by the Lord as an official commissioner, a delegate. Uh, We send them to foreign countries, people. Ambassador, Ambassador. thank you very much. Thank you. I I, I knew what it was. I was just testing you. Uh, (laughs) 
they're sent out, and they're, they're sent out, these particular apostles, they're sent out with spiritual authority. They're sent out with, again, the gifting of God, and as we've seen the work of the apostles, we've seen them with miraculous gifts to help establish the church, to help establish the gospel message, and for the equipping of the saints. So this ministry, this call on his life, is much more than just somebody that's going to go into the next town and try and start a Bible study or try and raise up a church. No, there, there, there's, there's a lot of authority that's put in this position. Now, there are other, you realize that there are other apostles within the New Testament. There are others who are called apostles, but with the understanding in the context of it that they do not have the same spiritual authority, they don't have the work and and the status of the twelve, again, the ones that Christ appointed specifically. These are men who have been sent out, but they are not the ones with the same kind of authority. We could get into a long study on that very thing, and we might do that later when we start looking at the gifts as we get further into Corinthians. But again, we understand that for Paul, this supernatural work, the spiritual authority, the giftings that he had, we see some supernatural things going on with Paul in the book of Acts. Remember, man, uh, his, his, literally his sweatbands were taken and, and his cloths were sent to and, and given to people who were ill and, and had diseases, and they were healed from that. We read that in the book of Acts. And so um, the unfortunate thing today, I think some try to copy that. And, you know, I, there's so much silliness that goes on sometimes today in the name of the Lord. Well, let me, before I start preaching, let me go on with the teaching. Uh, so as Paul declares himself as an apostle, He's declaring that he has this position of authority from God, from Christ himself, over the church. Not only because he was the one who established that church in Corinth, but because he also had this continued authority over the church as an apostle through the will of God. So in this first verse, he also brings to our attention that along with me is uh, uh, Sosthenes, our, our, our brother, And since there's no other introduction of this particular brother, Sosthenes, uh, it's a very good possibility to assume that the church in Corinth knew who this Sosthenes was. He doesn't say Sosthenes, our brother from whatever. He just says, he just gives the name. Now, if that's true, it's a very strong possibility. We don't know for certain But it's a very strong possibility that this Sosthenes is the very same Sosthenes that we read about in Acts 18, who was the head of the synagogue, who probably brought charges against Paul to the proconsul Gallio there in Corinth. Because remember when Galileo turned around, it said that then the Greeks grabbed Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and began to beat him up. Now, you got to see, again, just the hand of God in this thing. The guy that was the enemy of Paul, possibly, very strongly, who had brought charges along with the whole synagogue of Paul, and now he's with Paul, and Paul very clearly says, our brother, our brother. When did Sosthenes come to Christ? 
Maybe after he got beat up, you know. <laughs> Maybe his life flashed before his eyes and he realized, whoa, I, I've got to get this right. We don't, we don't know. He was a ruler. If, if he was the one who was the ruler of the synagogue, if this is the same one, how cool is that? I mean, really and truly, to be someone that was so adamantly against Paul. But then, you've got to stop and think, but isn't that the story of Paul's life? He was the one, he's the very one, who would go and bring persecution against Christians. And now he's coming and he's bringing people to Christ. And so now he hears that Sosthenes has come to Christ. I bet maybe Paul went and said, hey, go get Sosthenes, bring him with me, man. We'll, I'd love to hang out with the guy now. What would you have thought about a guy like Sosthenes? How in the world could he come to Christ? I'm sure a lot of people who knew Paul thought the same thing. Whoa, the Apostle Paul, as a matter of fact, we read in the conversion of Paul. Again, uh, he said, no, no, no. But Lord, I'm, I'm not going to go to Paul. You, haven't you heard, Lord, who Paul is? That's always a kind of a silly question we can ask the Lord. <laughs> haven't you heard? Don't you see? But how many people in our lives do we know through the course of our lives we've looked at and we ourselves pretty well have given up on? Well, I, I don't see how that person will ever come to the Lord. Maybe if we really dig down deep in it, maybe it was somebody who came against you in your stand for Christ. Somebody that maybe said things about you or um, had some kind of persecution against you, made fun of you, uh, maybe shut you out of their lives because you had become a Christian. Think about some of those in, in your life and uh, in the past. Now, think how cool that would be if they got on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. How cool that would be to be able to see God working in their lives. Well, it's not only had Sosthenes, ruler of the synagogue, become a Christian, but we also read in that passage in chapter 18, actually a little bit earlier in there, that the previous ruler of the synagogue, a fellow by the name of Crispus, when Paul was there and speaking in the synagogue and, and talking back and forth with the, with the Scripture, that Crispus, who had been the ruler of the synagogue, the book of Acts tells us that Crispus believed on the Lord with all of his household. Now, one little quick side note we find down here in 1 Corinthians, down in verse 14, that Crispus is one of only a couple of guys that Paul baptized while he was in Corinth. Remember, and again, look at the picture of it. He's there, and he's, he's debating and discussing the Scriptures there in the synagogue, uh, getting some pushback from the Jews, and suddenly the leader of the synagogue, maybe out of fear for the rest of the, the Jews in the synagogue, he would come and talk to Paul quietly or privately. Say, hey, you know, what you're saying makes sense. So finally, Crispus came to the Lord, and then we read in 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul actually had the opportunity of baptizing Crispus. I wonder, because when we look at this, we don't see that Crispus left with Paul. I'm wondering if it was more than the testimony of Paul, but perhaps the testimony of Crispus to Sosthenes that brought him to the Lord. 
Because again, who had had the, a guy who had had the same uh, same position, the same place within the synagogue, possibly speaking right there with him, still living in the same town. You know, after Paul leaves, we don't know if this is the Sosthenes that was the ruler of the synagogue. We don't know when it was that he came to Christ, but if it was sometimes later, perhaps it was the testimony of Christmas. And again, this speaks to me the importance of all of our personal testimonies. The personal testimonies of what we might call regular people. How often do we, and, and I know the drill, I know the routine, how often do we meet somebody or we befriend somebody and we want to share Christ with them, but instead of really sharing our testimony with them, we say, hey, why don't you come to our church? Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm glad, hopefully, you are inviting people to come to church. But do you real, don't, don't diminish the importance of your personal testimony. Because it's what Christ has done in your life that your friends and your neighbors, I believe, will be much more impressed with than coming up here, some guy that they've never met, Babylon, for 40 minutes. The importance of your testimony that what Christ has done for you. Now again, I, I understand totally that I'm stretching here in areas that the Bible isn't really showing us. But again, the, the names, the positions, and everything, it just seems like it fits so well. And the other thing I do know, there is an importance for our own personal testimony in being able to share with our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our co-workers, those kinds of things. Well, anyway... Sosthenes is now with the Apostle Paul, and together they're sending greetings to the church there in Corinth. Their greeting goes out to, in verse 2, it says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, and all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. First of all, this greeting goes out to the ecclesia. That's the the Greek word for assembly or or group or gathering. And during that time, there were many ecclesias, okay? Uh, There was actually the the ecclesia of Corinth, not a church, but it's it's what the city council would have been called, the, the assembly of Corinth, okay, the ecclesia of Corinth. But Paul here is specific. He's writing to the ecclesia of God, the one who meets in Corinth. He says to the church of God, which is at Corinth, the ecclesia of God, which is there at Corinth. And so when someone asks you about what church you belong to, you could actually very correctly say you're a member of the church of God, okay? But to clear it up, you could say the one that meets at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, okay? <laughs> Just to make sure you got it right. Well, he, he further defines that this audience to those who are the hagiadso, the, the sanctified ones. Uh, hagiadso, again, a Greek word that means holy, purified, consecrated in Christ Jesus. The hagiadso in Christ Jesus. And that's what that word sanctified means, to be holy, to be purified, to be consecrated. It's the same root word as the, the next phrase that Paul uses when he addresses those who are called hagios. They're called saints. And again, that word to be, it's not in there. Called saints. They are. Deals with them right now. Uh, 
And, and again, it's the same word we translate as holy. As a believer, you and I, we're, we're called, when we're called as saints, and we are saints, by the way. If you've come to Christ, you are a saint. I know sometimes you don't feel like a saint. I totally understand that. But a saint is not someone on the stained glass or the statues outside. No, a saint is that brother or sister sitting right next to you and you yourself, if you've truly come to Christ. And again, the 2B isn't there. Those who are consecrated or set-apart ones of Christ Jesus, those who are called holy are called saints. And so, again, we look at this. They are saints, and so since right now we know that we are living in the last days, we're just prior to the rapture of the church, and so in the second coming of Christ, to further confuse somebody when they ask you what church you go to, you could actually honestly tell them that you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, okay? Uh, but the one that meets at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, okay? No, I'm not a Mormon. But I do belong to the church of Jesus Christ. And we are Latter-day Saints. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. But we don't take our directions from Utah. Okay. Yeah. And then that would probably cause like way too much confusion. So I don't advise that. Actually, uh, one time, maybe I've told you the story. But uh, one time I had the chance to, uh, only one time, they didn't invite me back. Uh, <laughs> I had a chance to speak at the uh, Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship here in town. And uh, that's pretty much the way I started out. I told them. Hi, my name is David Landry. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then I went on to explain what I meant by that. And then I told him that I was also a Methodist because I believe that there is a method by way man can be saved. And, and I, I went on through a whole list of things. And uh, they didn't know who I was at the end of the time, and, and so they never invited me back. So Anyway, back to Corinthians. Paul actually extends his greetings. Uh, uh, not only to the holy ones, to the saints there in Corinth, but he also says to all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So who is Paul writing to? To all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, the the message of Paul's letter is for all believers in all places at all times. And How strange it must have been for those people there in Corinth to first realize that they were sanctified, that they were set apart from the rest of that vileness of of, of Corinth, that they were to live their lives as saints, that they were to walk in holiness while all around them is this immensity of perversion and immorality and, and darkness, that they themselves were to walk among that as lights in that darkness. How strange that had to be to them when they first believed and and heard that word. It's just like when you and I first become a a believer or the, the first time that we hear somebody preach and says, you know what, you are a saint. Well, no, not not me. I mean, I can understand other people, not me. Well, yes, you are. If you are in Christ, what is the meaning of that word? It means holy, set apart, set unto. You are set apart from the things of this world and set unto Christ. That's what that word means, and that's what you and I are. 
This very same message that Corinth had to deal with in the midst of the the perversity and the vileness and the immorality and the wickedness and the darkness that they lived in, that very same message goes out to you and me here where we live in the culture and in the time that we exist. We're to be lights, gang. We are set apart, and the call of our life is to stay set apart and to walk in righteousness and to walk in the light rather than going back and walking in darkness. And that's one of the things that Paul is going to deal with throughout the book of Corinthians. It says, hey, this is how you ought to live. This is how we as believers ought to live. It's not just the fact of, hey, you know, I've got my railroad ticket to heaven. I'm, I'm good. I can do anything I want. And when the time comes, I just bring out my ticket. No, that's not what we're called to be as believers. We're called to be sanctified, set apart, holy, set unto God. Not only us, but all those who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. The beginning of the message Paul gives this blessing here, and it's a blessing of grace and peace. Verse 3, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, as well as that intro, the whole introduction, that blessing is very, very common. Very common for that day, very common throughout all of Paul's writings, but also common within the culture of that day, but a little bit different in some very pointed, some very precise and, and unique ways. In the Greek culture, it was very common in that day for you to pass somebody and, and they would say grace to you. It uh, wasn't introducing John MacArthur's Bible uh, radio program. No, it was grace to you. It was the greeting that they would give to one another. That word charis, it was a greeting that, again, it, it asked for blessing of their God or God's to be upon that person. So even in that secular or that pagan culture, the pagan culture that worshipped so many gods, if they came to you, they would say grace to you. And it was the idea that, well, maybe the grace of this god or that god would be upon you to bless you. That's just part of the greeting. They wanted you to have some sort of divine favor. For the Greek, it was as common as for you and I today to say, hey, have a nice day. Or, hey, uh, bless you. It was just as common as that all, you know, on a regular basis. For the Jew or for the, for the Hebrew culture, though, the greeting would not have been grace. It would have been shalom, uh, the, the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. So the Greek says grace, the Hebrew says peace. And again, that idea of the Hebrew shalom, the Hebrew peace is, again, this, this idea of harmony and, and unity. It's the idea of wishing somebody personal peace as, as well as safety, uh, happiness, prosperity, good health, with that understanding that all of those things come from the God of Israel. So when they say peace to you, they're saying a blessing to you from the God of Israel. So unique to the Christian then was a combining of grace and peace. And so Paul, as he's writing here, He's saying grace and peace. Yes, he wants divine favor on you. That's the grace. But he also wants that, that peace that passes understanding. But Paul isn't just saying one of the gods, any of the gods. No, Paul says, again, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's very pointed about it because he knew that true peace comes when the grace of God has been poured out in our lives. And you see, that's the order of it. Grace first and then peace. 
you and I, we have to have grace before we can ever have peace. We have to have that mercy of God poured out in our life. And again, that idea of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.